0: It's the Media buzz meter with Howard Kurtz. Have you ever heard of exploding kittens? Neither have I. And it sounds pretty gruesome, right? But it's actually a legitimate news story that I will get to later in this podcast. You'll be glad you stay tuned for it, even though it's, uh, you know, I'm just trying to rope you in here with a tease because we want you to listen. Uh, I am heading back to the roof on Sunday morning for Media Buzz, 11 Eastern. Uh, Looks like it's going to be a nice day in D.C., but it's always cold up there. I'm going to bring my gloves. We will do the show uh, from up there, as we have been doing during this coronavirus period. And, you know, rather than saving it to the end, if you like this podcast, give us a subscription. Just go to Apple iTunes or Google Play or wherever you get your friendly neighborhood podcasts. And um, this way you get it directly in your phone, in your inbox, uh, beamed into your ear, whatever. Uh, I got a couple of bits of legal news here to get out of the way uh, before we dive in. So Roger Stone, you'll recall, uh, longtime friend of President Trump and campaign volunteer, informal advisor slash whatever, uh, who got himself convicted on the business about WikiLeaks. 40 month sentence. Well, he had been asking for a new trial. Well, the judge uh, has now turned down that request for a new trial. Uh, it was an 81 page opinion. The argument uh, that, that uh, Stone made was that the jury foreperson, person, a woman by the name of Tomika Hart, was just a Democratic partisan and she lied away on and so she tainted the whole thing. Well, uh, Judge Amy Berdman Jackson was not buying this. She said the defendant hasn't shown that the juror lied or that the supposedly disqualified evidence uh, couldn't have been found through the exercise of due diligence. And while the social media communications, she had a lot of very tough anti-Trump stuff on Twitter, um, suggest that uh, the juror certainly has strong opinions. Excuse me while I close this door, uh, because a certain uh, four-legged creature is trying to get in here during the podcast. Um, that this didn't reveal that she had an opinion about Roger Stone, which is the only thing that matters. Look, it was always a Hail Mary, try to get a new trial. So that means that in the near future, either Roger Stone will be reporting uh, to prison or, you know, there's always a possibility that President Trump is going to pardon him. Uh, It doesn't seem like, you know, the world's best thing to do during a pandemic. Uh, maybe he starts his prison term, and then gets out. I don't know, but that's the latest on Stone. Meanwhile, Michael Cohen, the president's uh, longtime lawyer, who of course turned on him, who once said he would take a bullet for Donald Trump, but wound up uh, getting uh, sentenced to prison in a, uh, on various different charges. Uh, well, the Washington Post is quoting uh, Michael Cohen's lawyer as saying that he's going to be released to home confinement. Uh, now he's already served, I don't know, a year and a half or something like that. Uh, out of an approximately three-year term. But the reason he's going to get to go home, this is also happening with some other uh, well-known people, is that the Federal Bureau of Prisons is pushing to, let's just say, let some prisoners out as part of a push to stem the spread of the coronavirus. Because if you have all these people getting in prisons, that is not a good thing. Uh, the uh, CNN uh, first reported that Cohen's lawyer, Roger Adler, said he'd filed paperwork seeking a compassionate release. That's the term of art uh, during this pandemic because he has an underlying medical condition that he's been hospitalized for. Um, And um, it's his understanding that the request has been granted. It's not clear. Uh, So Combe will be moved to home confinement, which is a hell of a lot better than being in jail, right? Uh, Not clear whether that is just for the certain period of time until the coronavirus eases, or is this, you know, in, in effect, a commutation of his sentence Uh, although he still would be confined, probably have an ankle bracelet and all of that. Well, a lot to tackle here. So let's start with story number one. Here's President Trump at the long briefing yesterday saying, my administration is issuing new federal guidelines that will allow governors, allow them, uh, you get what that means, to take a phased and deliberate approach to reopening their individual states. So here's how The Washington Post put it. President Trump released federal guidelines Thursday night for a slow and staggered return to normal. Boy, well, I wish we could return to normal. In places with minimal cases of the coronavirus, moving to try to resume economic activity, even amid an outcry from political and health leaders about the nation's testing capacity. Now, before I go on with the story, I have to say, um, there's, you know, Trump does this every day. And I've criticized a lot of these briefings. There's time when he has gone off the rails, such as when he declared that he has total authority and the governors have nothing to say about it if he wants to reopen the whole country for business. Um, Also, uh, when he went off on, you know, blaming Democrats for uh, not uh, confirming many of his nominees. The substance of that may be true, but it's not what people want to hear about. And when he gets into these fights with reporters calling their questions at various times disgraceful, horrid, threatening. Uh, Again, the president has every right to push back against what he thinks are unfair questions, but it it, it all seems to detract. Or beating up on the World Health Organization. I'm not a fan of the WHO, uh, but it does seem to his critics that he's scapegoating or just trying to deflect attention. But this news conference yesterday was sober. It was serious. The president read a very long statement. He's in agreement with his medical experts, uh, this is what Dr. Fauci wants him to do. This is what Dr. Birx wants him to do. And so I thought that basically the press would say, well, you know, at least he's finally doing it and, you know, maybe he should have done it sooner, but, you know, it's a responsible thing to do. And the, the media reaction was muted, but nevertheless, many just went off on, you know, uh, that the, 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 this was too vague, that he doesn't have the power to do this, uh, that it's irrelevant, Uh, Let me resume now from The Washington Post. Despite Trump's desire for a May 1st reopening, and during the presser, he said he thought as many as 29 states that were the least hard hit, doesn't mean they don't have any cases of coronavirus, uh, could reopen by May 1st, maybe even sooner, he said. And he was asked which states, and wisely he demurred, so I'll let the governors announce that. But as The Post notes, his plan does not contain a date for implementation and is a vague set of recommendations for a three-phrased reopening excuse me, three-phased reopening of businesses, schools, and other gathering places in jurisdictions once they can satisfy certain criteria having to do with symptoms, cases, and the level of stress on hospitals. Uh, Here's what the president said. America wants to be open and Americans want to be open. A national shutdown is not a sustainable long-term solution. Of course it's not. Uh, To preserve the health of our citizens, we must also preserve the health and functioning of our economy. Now the post notes that this is effectively is a 180. He reverses his claim that he had total authority to declare the nation reopened. The guidelines shift the accountability to the governors and mayors who shut the places down, their places down in the first place, placing the onus on them to make decisions for their own states and localities based on their own assessment and in a in a conference call and the recording was obtained by the Washington Post as well as the New York Times. He told the governors yesterday, you're going to call your own shots. And that's the phraseology he used about he was going to call the shots. So I think that's sensible. I think if the president had skipped the I am in charge here and I will tell the governors what to do and uh, I'm not violating the Constitution and just had gone to this, I think his, uh, his coverage this week would have been, a lot better. The Washington Post notes that the uh, guidelines that he's putting out through the White House is much less detailed than the CDC guidelines or the FEMA guidelines. Uh, The buck stops with the posture is largely designed, says the Post, to shield himself from blame. Should there be new outbreaks after states reopen or for other problems, according to several current and former senior administration officials involved in the response? Governors have said, and this is the key thing, what the governors are saying and what the media criticism is saying is that one of the most important factors in the governors and mayors deciding when it's safe to reopen open is testing data. But Trump's plan does not include a national testing strategy. He was praising, we're doing so much testing, we're doing a great job, more testing than anyone else in the world. Well, it's been 3 million tests in a population of 330 million. Senior administration officials telling The Post that although the federal government will try to facilitate access to tests, States and localities will be responsible for developing and administering their own testing problems. But there are problems with that. And leaders from business, uh, leaders in public health are saying all week the nation is not ready to reopen because the testing system is, in the words of the Post, woefully inadequate. And here's where, you know, I, I, I tweet. I wrote about this today and I talked about also this factor that people have to believe it. You can have governors, Andrew Cuomo talked about this, you can have governors saying we're reopening, you can have businesses saying we're reopening, you can have the president saying we're reopening. If people don't feel safe, they're not going to go to stores, they're not going to go to theaters, they're not going to go back to work. Uh, And the Gallup poll that I believe I cited yesterday shows that, um, you know, a lot of people don't feel safe and they're going to delay. You can't, you know, uh, to paraphrase an old baseball movie, if you build it, they may not come. Now, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, whose husband was hospitalized with the coronavirus and waited six days to get his results, well, she's telling the Post that she's been obsessed with this question of testing from day one. Quote uh, from Klobuchar, you don't have to be an infectious disease doctor to figure out that testing is going to be the gateway to making people feel safe and comfortable going out and reopening the economy. But it gets more complicated, and this is very frustrating. Uh, as the Post points out, Trump routinely brags about how many tests have been completed and complains about dire economic projections. Um, one of his advisors anonymously tells the Post the president's determined to reopen the country. Testing is just not his primary thought. So here's the deal there is uh, a new rapid response test that delivers the results in five minutes from Abbott Laboratories. That is great. That is such good news. But as Montana Governor Steve Bullock, a Democrat, said, they got the great Abbott machines two weeks ago, they still don't have the testing kits required to use them. Trump says, well, the states have to take the lead on that. And here's another problem. Only a fraction of these Abbott tests, and I'm glad that these tests were developed, are being used right now because there aren't enough skilled technicians around the country to operate them. So you got the test, but you don't have the kits, you don't have the the technicians who can do this, all of that putting us in a bind, all that, I think, look, you know, wouldn't we all like to go back to, quote, normal? Wouldn't we all like to go back to work? Wouldn't we all like to see the 22 million people lost their jobs, be able to get those jobs back? Of course we would. I mean, I have people on Twitter saying, well, you know, you don't want the country. open." Yeah, of course I do. Nobody wants this. We're all going insane here. But there's a reason that the governors are going to be reluctant until the death rates are substantially lower than they are now until testing is substantially higher than it is now, until people who ultimately are going to make decisions for what's best for themselves and their families are comfortable going back to work, going to the office, going shopping, because without customers, you're going to have, well, businesses can open all they want. But they're not going to have the business they used to have without people showing up for work. Don't go anywhere. More Meter coming your way in just a moment. All right, story number two. The new White House chief of staff is Mark Meadows, former congressman, former pal of Trump, um, guy who was a member of the Freedom Caucus. I've met a couple of times, very smooth politician, very nice guy. He's been in this job uh, about three weeks. And New York Times also already has a story about him. Usually, you know, when it's Reince, when it's um, uh, other chiefs of staff who have held those jobs, including Mick Mulvaney, uh, including General Kelly, You know, it takes like a couple of months and then you start to read, well, the president's not that happy with the person. Well, administration officials say that Meadows at times has been overwhelmed by a permanent culture at the White House, says the Times, that revolves around the president's moods, his desire to project a veneer of strength and his need for a sense of control. This wouldn't exactly be breaking news to anybody who's read newspapers for the last three plus years. It is why no matter who serves as chief of staff, says the Times, the lack of formal processes and the constant infighting are unavoidable facts of life for those working for Trump. In the case of Meadows, it hasn't helped him with his White House colleagues that the former North Carolina congressman, who has a reputation for showing his emotions, cried while meetings with mem- meeting with members of the White House staff on at least two occasions. One of those meetings was with a young White House uh, aide. Another was with Jared Kushner, of course, the president's son in law. Now, I thought, well, good for Meadows. You know, like he's a human being. This is an overwhelming time. He's just started this new job. People are dying. Uh, So what if he cried? You know, why is that some terrible thing? But it says that on both occasions, Meadows was discussing staffing changes, according to people with knowledge of the events. Uh, White House spokesman declined to comment. a A person close to Kushner said he denied that any such episode involving him ever took place. Trump is said to have faith in Meadows and sometimes is responsive to his suggestions. Well, that's good if he's your new chief of staff. Uh, Look, what Meadows is doing, what any new boss does, is he's making personnel changes. He basically is the person who decided that... uh, uh, Stephanie Grisham was no longer going to be the White House press secretary, and that Kayleigh McEnany was going to come in as press secretary, along with a couple of new communications aides. And Stephanie has gone back to work for Melania Trump. That's where she was before, taking this nine-month stint as press secretary. And I guess it's hard on Meadows. I guess he's a human being. Personally, I don't think crying is a horrible thing. Uh, but apparently it doesn't go over well with the White House culture. Story number three, Bill Gates, of course, uh, the co-founder of Microsoft, which so I'm not that happy with some of Microsoft's products, but also better known now, I guess, as a philanthropist. He's got $100 billion and about half of that goes into the Gates Foundation's. Well, he is now the target, according to another story in the Times, of all of these conspiracy theories. Posts on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, he's being falsely portrayed as the creator of COVID-19. I mean, how does anybody believe that? As a profiteer from, the, from a virus vaccine, which doesn't exist yet, by the way. And as part of a dastardly plot to use the illness to cull or surveil the global population. I mean, this is wacko stuff. This is Looney Tunes. The wild claims have gotten traction with certain conservative pundits. Uh, Laura Ingram is mentioned in this time story. Anti-vaccinators such as Robert F. Kennedy. Um, Now, Gates has been out there as a counterweight to President Trump. He's appeared on TV, he's written op-eds. Differing with the president, he's gone on Reddit forums. He's disagreed with the president's move to cut funding to the WHO. Misinformation about Gates is now the most widespread of all coronavirus falsehoods uh, tracked by Zignal Labs, an analysis company. Uh, Misinformation includes more than 16,000 posts on Facebook this year about Gates. Wow. Liked and commented upon 900,000 times. And get this. The first mention of a totally baseless conspiracy theory uh, on January 21st, uh, which is when a YouTube personality uh, uh, suggested on Twitter that Gates had foreknowledge of the pandemic. That's like saying you knew about the World Trade Center. He knew. He had. He knew in advance. This is crazy stuff for a guy who is, you know, devoting billions and billions of his personal fortune to his foundation and trying to help people, including uh, on, on virus. And Gates was quoted what is it, five years ago, Is saying the biggest problem the world would potentially face would be a pandemic, not other stuff. All right, story number four. Uh, television doctor is not having a real good week. So there's Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz, and he went on Hannity Show on Fox, and he said, first, we need to get our mojo back. This has gone totally viral. He says some things could be reopened without getting into a lot of trouble. I tell you, schools, says Dr. Oz, are a very appetizing opportunity uh, he said that if we reopen schools, it may cost us only only two to three percent in terms of total mortality. Let me read that again. We can reopen the schools, said Dr. Oz, and maybe only two to three percent more people will die. And then, to make it worse, he said the death rate might be a trade-off some folks would consider. What? So he got completely and totally destroyed on social media. Then he released an apology. I misspoke. Uh, The goal is how do we get our children safely back to school? Uh, Okay, so much for Dr. Oz. Dr. Phil has also been on Fox lot. He told Lori Ingram, we probably should never have started the coronavirus quarantine. And he compared deaths, and this was not wise, from the coronavirus to swimming pool deaths. And he had some inaccurate statistics to boot. He claimed there were 360,000 swimming pool deaths a year, It's about 100 times the amount of drowning deaths of any kind. But we didn't shut the country down for that, said Dr. Phil. Uh, The reaction was swift, focused on Dr. Phil's lack of medical credentials. His PhD is in clinical psychology. He's not licensed to practice in any state. Um, By the way, Fox has heard a number of actual medical experts, not television doctors, who have been commenting on all of this. Uh, Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, maybe want to... Take some time off, shall we say. All right, story number five. Um, Let me just see here. Oh, so um, Joe Biden was on CNN last night and he was asked about, are you really going to stick to your pledge to pick a woman as your uh, running mate and not, wait for it, Andrew Cuomo? Here's what Biden said. I think Governor Cuomo is capable of being president. I think he's a great guy. But I also think it's important that there be a woman. Look, I want an administration to look and it's plenty of qualified Plenty of women with the experience and the capability of being president tomorrow. So not that Cuomo was pushing this, but the media, you know, who are kind of in love with uh, the New York governor right now. So CNN asking, actually, it was a, a question It was like a virtual question from an audience member. And Biden shut that down. Meanwhile, Politico has a piece saying there's ambivalence among these progressive groups for Elizabeth Warren as the running mate. She, of course, told Rachel Maddow she would say yes. But uh, a lot of people on the left don't want her to get it. Uh, let's see here. Um, some people, Warren does have some high-profile boosters, including Congressman Roe Khanna, who was a former Sanders campaign co-chair. Um, and uh, Sanders himself doesn't have any problem with it. He's not act- actively pushing Biden to pick a particular person for number two, but he told the PBS NewsHour uh, that his supporters would certainly like it. Uh, when asked whether how would they feel if Biden picked Warren, he didn't actually advocate for her. He says, all I can say is I think the more progressive the vice presidential candidate that he nominated, the better it would be in terms of the kind of response that our supporters would provide him. Now, if there wasn't a coronavirus and everything else, you know, this beepstakes thing would be 23 hours a day. You'd be sick of it. You'd be telling the media to stop covering it. But it's kind of a sidebar right now, uh, but it is getting a little bit of attention because, particularly with 77 year old Joe Biden, who he picks. So I guess I can now say which woman he picks is going to get a hell of a lot more attention than the ordinary running mate pick. And finally, story number six as advertised at the top of the podcast, Exploding Kittens. Well, uh, don't take it from me. This is a New York Times story, and it's not just about this, but here's the setup. Here's the lead of Exploding Kittens a game that bills itself as a kiddie-powered version of Russian roulette, spent years ranked as one of the most popular card games on Amazon's uh, store. You go to Amazon, you can explode your own cats. But when the pandemic hit, and then sales doubled week after week, as families, you know, they're looking for something to do. with their home, they're <laughs> running out of things to do with their kids. They're not supposed to go out very much. But just as the orders came flying in, Amazon began prioritizing products like toilet paper, well not so much because you can't get it, and hand sanitizer. The retailer stopped ordering more supply of exploding kittens, and the most popular version of the game soon fell out of stock. Tens of thousands of customers a day were searching for exploding kittens and could not buy it. I guess that's frustrating if you like exploding kittens. But it does raise a much more serious point that Uh, Since this uh, outbreak reached the U.S., Amazon, which, you know, the whole Jeff Bezos promises. Remember, it used to be two-day delivery, and then he made it next-day delivery, and now we all got addicted. Those of us use Amazon to next-day delivery, if you have Prime, if you sign up and pay for Prime. Well, it's been struggling, no shock here, to respond to a surge in order. Some products aren't in stock. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they aren't. The deal of the day, the deals of the day, they used to promote. Now they've buried it because they don't want people getting deals of the day. They're even trying to tamp down demand. This is the most interesting part of the story. Uh, One person who's quoted, one expert, says it's like a run on the bank. If everybody wants their money, money at once, the bank can't fulfill it. So the company is now telling customers, hey, folks, some products will arrive in weeks. Not hours, not days, but weeks. In recent weeks, Amazon has run fewer ads on Google that drive customers to its site. It's paying less to media sites that review products. Then refer cost, uh, customers to its listing. On its own homepage, well, I mentioned this, the sh- shop deals of the day has been, you know, buried. You have to go search for it. Uh, here's a chief executive saying they are trying to reduce demand, which is borderline insane. But I guess that's where we are. Says the chief executive of Marketplace Pulse. This event has broken everything. Well, you know, if you're Amazon or any other company that does e-commerce, you want more customers. You want more people, and Amazon's trying to hire more people f- to fill their warehouses and to obviously engage in delivery because it doesn't get to your house. It doesn't do anything. But they don't want people ordering you know, the frivolous stuff and then they can't deliver the staples. And, you know, they're just overwhelmed, like everybody else. I mean, it's a testament to the machine that Bezos has built that so many people are turning to Amazon. It was incredibly popular anyway. It changed the face of retailing. And now they don't want as much business because they don't want to develop a reputation for not being able to fulfill these orders. Everybody's going to just have to be more patient. And it's frustrating, particularly when it's not exploding cats, but when it is hand sanitizer, toilet paper, uh, just all the staples that people use Uh, to get uh, through Amazon and other websites. It's not the only one, but it's by far the biggest, most powerful one. It doesn't, it's trying to be more honest with customers. You're not going to get this stuff right away, folks. And it's trying to reduce demand because it is so overwhelmed and isn't that a sign of the times. Well, you can also get the podcast here on foxnewspodcast.com or on your Amazon device. Speaking of Amazon, you like that little segue there? I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're not going crazy. I hope um, that uh, if you are having to deal with unemployment, that the government's being responsive. I hope that um, you're able to go to the grocery store. I hope that you're able to take a walk outside. All in all, I hope you understand that as I've taken to saying this, it wasn't sort of a conscious thing on my part, but at the end of every podcast, we are all Americans. We are all in this together. We will get through this together, but we have painful times ahead. I hope you have a great weekend despite all the problems. Maybe you have some nice weather now that we're getting into the heart of April. I hope you'll watch Media Buzz on Sunday. I hope I will continue to work at home without tearing my hair out. And I'll see you on Monday with more Buzz